Hello and welcome to The Well Podcast. Find out more at facebook.com forward slash The Well Event. I'm delighted tonight to make welcome. I'll ask you to give her a big round of applause, Louise Little. Hello, everyone. Um, I don't feel cool enough to be up here, I'll be honest, after that. <laughs> um, yeah, my name is Louise. Um, I'm from Scarva, um, County Armagh. And thank you so much for inviting me along to share with you this evening about what God is doing in Madagascar. Um, just before I begin, I would like to share with you just a few verses from the book of Sam. Um, Sam chapter 46, um, verses 5 to 10. Blessed is he whose help is in God, the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners, he upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever, your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. And just as I begin, I'm going to be sharing with you about Madagascar, a country that is so different to Northern Ireland. And I'm going to be talking about poverty. I'm going to be talking about difficult situations. But we have to remember that, that the God of Northern Ireland is also the God of Madagascar. And he loves the people of Madagascar. He is the God who loves the poor, who loves the brokenhearted. So I just want us to keep that in mind as we begin the presentation this evening. So most of you won't know me. As I say, my name is Louise Little. Um, growing up, um, I'm going to give you a bit of a background about who I am. Um, growing up, I became a Christian whenever I was very young, um, but never never imagined I would, I would be a missionary. Um, growing up, my parents were always very um, mission-minded. We were all over the country listening to missionary speakers, listening to missionaries tell their stories, and I always put missionaries on a pedestal. I always thought missionaries were super Christians, really adventurous, really clever, just not, not really me. <laughs> I was a normal, very normal child, and I never ever imagined that this is where God would take me. But I put my trust in him and I told him that he had my future and this is where he has taken me. Yeah, so I finished school uh, and I went to Coleraine University. I became a nurse. And then in 2010, I finished and went to London for a couple of years before coming back to work in Belfast City Hospital. Um, it wasn't really until 2014 when God really changed the direction of my life. Um, I went on a two-week mission trip to Niger, and that's when the Lord really showed me that he had a different plan for my life than I had. He, I was in a mission hospital in a really dark, closed country of Niger, and you had this Christian hospital right in the middle of such a dark land, and God really just opened my eyes to the power of, of missions, to the all these people were coming in their darkest days and their suffering and they were coming to get medicine but they were also hearing about Jesus and he really showed me how I could use my nursing to serve him in some of these countries. In 2016 I ended up going to Madagascar for 18 months 
came home at the end of 2017 and went and studied some French, done a few extra courses, and in 2019 I ended up back in Madagascar long term. So, just this is the Malagasy traditional dress, in case you're wondering. <laughs> um, so, Madagascar, where is it? Oh, sorry, slides. <laughs> oh, sorry. Madagascar's not just a movie. <laughs> so, I'm, a, I'm not the most tech, um, techy, so I couldn't get an arrow to point. But this is Madagascar. <laughs> it's an island um, just off the coast of, <laughs> of Mozambique. Um, yeah, in the Indian Ocean. So I've got a few facts for you about Madagascar coming up. So it's the fourth largest island in the world. Most people are quite shocked by that. It is home to 70%, or to 70 um, species of lemurs that are found nowhere else on Earth. That's quite cool. It's a population of 28.3 million, which is, again, a lot larger than a lot of people think. Um, though the size of Madagascar is almost twice that of the UK, Madagascar has just 1% of the total paved road surface, which makes travel very, very difficult. Approximately 90% of the population live below the national poverty line on around one pound per day. More than 50% of the world's chameleon population live in Madagascar. There's 3,150 doctors in Madagascar, which equates to 1.6 doctors for every 10,000 people. And I work in the north uh, of Madagascar with the Simeti people, and 1.6% of the Simeti people are evangelical Christians, and we have a population of 2.2 million people. So there's a lot I could tell you. I could take hours to talk about Madagascar this evening and to tell you what's happening there. There's so many different areas of our project. I'm going to show a five-minute video, which hopefully will give a good overview of our project. Um, we have a radio station, a hospital, a school, um, Bible teaching, church planting. So it'll hopefully give an overview of the project, and then I would like to share about what I'm involved with and just share a few stories about patients uh, and just what God's been doing over the last two years. Welcome to the Good News Hospital here in Mandritsara. I'm Matt. I head up the Friends of Mandritsara missionary team working here. Madagascar is an island that lies 400 kilometres off the southeastern coast of Africa, twice the size of Great Britain, with a population of 26 million. Two of the major features of life in Madagascar are rice and cattle. Many Malagasy people eat rice three times a day and are reliant on their annual rice harvest to supply the needs of the family throughout the year. Oxen are seen throughout Madagascar and it is not unusual to see them walking along the streets of towns and cities as well as in the countryside. But oxen are worth a lot of money here in Madagascar, and cattle rustling is a common practice all over the island. Cattle are also sacrificed as offerings to spirits, and their skulls and horns displayed on wooden stakes. Many Malagasy people believe that the spirits of their dead ancestors control their fortunes in life, and so they worship their ancestral spirits. 
Mandritsara is a busy market town at the centre of a large rural area in northern Madagascar. It is the main town for the Simieti people, a group of almost two million people. The Good News Hospital began as a small outpatient clinic in 1995. It has now grown to a 57-bed hospital with two inpatient wards, two general operating theatres, a theatre for eye surgery, a maternity unit and physiotherapy department. The nearest hospital with surgical, laboratory and x-ray facilities is 200 kilometres away in the regional capital. So the Good News Hospital serves people across a wide geographical area. Here at the Good News Hospital, we have the privilege of being able to care for people's physical and spiritual needs. We strive to give excellent medical care, but we also want to ensure that everyone who comes to the hospital as a patient or as a family member will hear the good news of Jesus while they're here and that they'll have an opportunity to respond. We do this because to those who follow him, Jesus offers life. The Friends of Mandritsara missionary team work alongside a team of around 180 Malagasy Christians serving God and the people of this region through the project. The hospital has developed over the last 20 years and the number of patients continues to rise. We see around 20,000 outpatients each year. In addition to the outpatient consultations, we admit around 5,000 patients each year to our medical, surgical and maternity wards. There are gospel services held on each of these wards, both morning and evening, and staff members have many opportunities to share their faith and to pray with patients. Our surgeons undertake around 1,500 operations each year, and the surgical team offers to pray with every patient before their operation. The voice of the Good News radio station broadcasts daily from early in the morning to late at night. There are gospel messages, Bible teaching, health education, programs for children and Christian music. The Good News School began in 1997 with five pupils. Today there are 12 classes and almost 350 pupils, aged from 3 to 15 years. All teaching is in French and includes Bible teaching. The Good News Hospital is a project of the Association of Bible Baptist Churches of Madagascar. We work in close collaboration with the local Baptist churches. The main local church is led by Pastor Julien and has grown to about 200 members with 500 or more attending on a Sunday. In addition to the Bible Baptist churches in town, there are now around 70 villages where there are Bible Baptist church groups meeting regularly. But there is still much work to be done. Through the Ministry of the Good News Hospital, we have many opportunities to reach out into areas yet unreached with the Gospel. This work involves people across the world as well as here in Mandritsara. Will you join us? that video give, um, give you a taste of the hospital and the project 
um, with a bit of history along um, there too. Yeah, the next. Yeah, so um, that, that video, it was made a couple of years ago, um, and there's been some changes to our missionary team. So this is the current um, missionary team. I just thought I would put a photo um, of us up. We're made up of teachers, doctors, surgeons, yeah, and nurses, like myself. So, um, yeah, I'm part of the missionary team, but the real reason that I'm there is to work alongside the local nurses. Um, God has really put um, nurse development and nurse education in my heart, uh, alongside, um, coming alongside the nurses also in their personal lives, trying to support them spiritually um, in discipleship. Um, yeah, the nurses uh, are from often from very broken families, uh, very poor families, and it's um, been a real blessing to be able to get to know them over the last two years, to build up relationships with them and to walk through um, many of their difficulties in lives. And I feel like we've really got a good, a good team uh, on the surgical ward where I work. So, yeah, as I said, where do you begin? Um, there's so many stories I could share, sad stories, happy stories. And it's been really difficult to try and find um, patients that can represent the, the culture the, along with all the problems and all the, um, all the blessings as well of being in Madagascar. So I've picked um, two or three patients that I'm going to share with you about. Um, and hopefully they give you an idea of, of what it's like um, in Mandarat Sarah, what what these people have to deal with on a, on a daily basis. Um, they don't have ambulances to take them to hospital. When they get to the hospital, it's not like what we've got here. There's no specialist services. It's a very small, rural, underdeveloped hospital, and we are really doing our best um, to serve these people. But hopefully these stories will um, just encourage you as to what God is doing and how he's been working in the midst of all the the lack that we have that he has really been working and we've seen miracles happen with these patients. So this is Kristina. He is six years old and last November, it was a Sunday afternoon, I was sitting in my living room having a nice day off and one of our surgeons came to the door and he said, Louise, are you free? <laughs> I said, well, depends what it is. <laughs> and he says, we've got a little boy who's arrived and he's fallen out of a mango tree. He lived close to the hospital, but he fractured his larynx and um, where his voice box is. And he's going to die if we don't do something. And I said, right, well, what am I going to do? <laughs> um, he said, we don't have the equipment that we need, so I'm going to look in the container and see if I can find something. So often people from Northern Ireland or from England will send containers out, and sometimes they send out-of-date things that we don't use, and they just all get, get put in this container for a time like this. So we went to the container, and he found uh, a trachea, a tracheostomy. And, um, and it was a size too big for a child, but he cut it, and he cut it down, and he says, this is Crystalline's only chance. He said, if we do nothing, he's gonna die very shortly. He's got an obstructed airway, he can't breathe. It was starting to occlude, and he said, if we do nothing, he's, he's, he's not gonna make it. So we sent a message out, we sent a message out to all of our supporters to pray for Crystalline, to pray for this operation. The surgeon had never done this operation before, and they went into theater. In the meantime, I worked in Belfast City ICU, so I knew how to look after tracheostomies, but not in this kind of setting. But my job was to train the nurses 
very quickly <laughs> give them a crash course on how to look after a patient with a tracheostomy. So this is Kristina. He had his surgery. Um, he was with us for about, I would say, two and a half months. Um, he had to have his, um, his larynx reconstructed. And again, when our surgeon, so the initial surgery was to just put the tube in to let him breathe. Um, but then our surgeon had to figure out how to fix um, the fracture and he had to reconstruct his larynx, which meant that, well, he, he phoned a specialist in South Africa who said, the only option is to take him out of Madagascar. And Ted, our doctor, said, well, that's not possible. We're in a global pandemic. The family are substance rice farmers. They don't have the means to fly him out. We have to do something here. So this surgeon in South Africa, along with Ted, he taught him how to do it. He talked him through it. And Ted was able to do the surgery. So this is Kristalina um, after his reconstruction surgery on the left. And there's he's feeding himself um, through the, the tube in his nose. He was a very cool, good boy. Uh, if we go on to the next picture, this is just a photo um, of me teaching the, one of the nurses how to look after his tracheostomy. And yeah, because it was all well and good putting the tracheostomy in, but if the nurses couldn't, look after it, it was going to be um, as fatal. So after the two and a half months, Crystalline had been in the hospital, and as you heard in the video, every day there's a gospel talk happens on the ward. So he'd heard the gospel over and over. The hospital evangelist had been in, with his family because there was times during his stay that he was very low, he was very annoyed, he was really aggressive, and then there was times he was happy and it was... It was up and down. So we had a lot of support for him with the evangelism team. So this is, I have a video, a very short video. You're not going to understand what he's saying. Well, it's the fact that he's speaking because he hadn't spoke in two and a half months. And um, this is him, this is his dad telling him that when we get home, we're going to find a church and we're going to go together. And he said, um, and we're going to get a small Bible. So you'll hear him speaking on this wee video. You'll not understand it, but it's just it's nice to hear his voice. Mood. So that's him, very, very happy as he was getting to go home and he actually came back a few weeks after that again with a much stronger voice and a very happy little boy um, to be back home and he was at school and doing really well. But his life is an absolute testament to, to God's goodness. Um, his life is it's really a miracle that, that he is alive today and now he's, he's heard the gospel and we just pray for him. We pray that, you know, that God will work in his family and that, yeah, that he will get saved and, and live for Jesus. So just another example as to how we, we mix medicine and the gospel. Um, this is a little boy, Jose, who broke his femur. So if you broke your femur in Northern Ireland, you wouldn't have to lie in bed for six weeks on traction. But he, that's the treatment that we have there. So we have this little book. You see him coloring it in. And there's a page every, every day for him to color in. And every day there's another Bible story in the local Simiati language. So that's really cool. The nurses come alongside and read the stories and he colors them in. And by the end of the 60 days, he, um, 
He's learned a lot of Bible stories and again, been seen by the evangelism team and heard the gospel so many times. So it's, it's just a really good opportunity for people when they come into hospital, when they're at their lowest, that you can also share the good news of Jesus and it's way more efficient than good medicine. So my last story is about a little girl that really um, has impacted me over the last year. She, <clears throat> last June, I remember being in Mandarit Sarah um, and just sitting in my house one day and being so overwhelmed by the needs around me. I was seeing children, adults, dying, seemed like every day of things that I seen were preventable. And I was so discouraged and I, I couldn't figure out my place. How was I gonna help these people? It just was overwhelming the amount of need. Every time I left the house, the same people who were starving, who had no money, who were begging, and it just was so overwhelming. And I remember praying, Lord, just show me somebody that I can come alongside and help. Like, there has to be somebody that I can, that I can help. Just show me that person, because I didn't know who to go to. And this little girl, very, very shortly after, came into the nurse's station. Jeanette was, if we just, oh, yeah, okay. So Jeanette, um, it's a little girl. She is five or six years old. She, on the 26th of June in Madagascar, it's Malagasy Independence Day, and everyone has a party. Everybody, there's a lot of alcohol consumed. We've always got a lot of hospital admissions after it. It's a very, it's the biggest date in their calendar. And just after the Malagasy, for about two weeks, they have a party. And within these two weeks, um, Jeanette um, was in her house. Everyone in Madagascar cooks on charbon. So like a little coal fire. They cook their rice on it. And her dress caught fire. And she was burnt, her abdomen, her chest, her left arm, and her two legs. So Jeanette lived about 60 kilometers from the hospital in Mandritsara. But her dad took a week to bring her to the hospital with these full thickness burns. He went to a, to a local traditional healer who put cow dung on all of her burns. So you can imagine by the time Jeanette got to our hospital, on something like this, this is how she came. And this isn't her, but this is the transport that many people will use. If you just go on to the next picture, you, this is her. Um, you can imagine the pain that this little girl was in when she came to us. She was semi-conscious. She was very sick. She, she was just so, so ill and had such bad infection. And I just remember thinking, this little girl, she won't survive. She can't survive. And on the same day, we had a little boy who came in with burns that weren't as bad as hers that were clean and he actually passed away. So just really, the contrast of the two, just, I couldn't believe that this little girl was still alive a week later. So Jeanette was with us for just over three months. Um, I grew really attached to Jeanette. Um, unfortunately, Jeanette doesn't have a mum. She just has, well, she has a father who is an addict who's very rarely there. So Jeanette is often on her own. She doesn't have great family support. Um, it was in Madagascar, Mandrit Sarah, the families in the hospital have to provide all of the food. They do a lot of the care, they sleep under the bed. So you could see everyone around had family and Jeanette was just lying on her own in absolute agony. It took a few days for me to realize that this little girl wasn't getting fed. And when we approached her father, he said, 
oh, sometimes, Jeanette, she can go two or three days or even four days without eating. Don't, don't worry, she's just strong. And this, again, just really tugged at my heart. And I, I couldn't believe that this little girl had even survived to be this age and had sustained all these injuries, and she was still, she was still fighting. Um, so this was her. Um, she was very, is a very joyful little girl. She was with us, as I say, for three months. She didn't walk for the first, well, she was with us for three and a half months in total. Um, for the first three months, she was in bed. She couldn't walk. She couldn't get out of bed. She was too sore. But, yeah, God gave me an opportunity to, yeah, so we then started to provide food for her. Um, we bought a television for the ward so that she could have something to do during the day to stimulate her mind. This is her watching TV. Um, so we got some Malagasy Christian songs, um, the Jesus film in the Semiati language, and she was just glued to it. But it became like her TV and everyone. It was her way of getting everyone to come and see her because she had the television. Um, she's very, very, very cute. Um, so yeah, God really then started to speak to me about her future and how, what was going to happen to her once she left. And the thought of that just really broke my heart. What, what was her future going to look like? With her dad, who really struggled with his addictions, they had nothing. He went, he left in the morning and he came back at night and just to find something to eat. He just, he had nothing. They didn't have clothes. They just were, they're the poorest people that I'd ever met. So, yeah, God started to speak to me about trying to, to get her an education. She wasn't at that stage going to school. So we spoke to her dad and decided that we would try and get her into school. Um, I think the next photo might... No, sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, I spoke to her dad and I said to her dad, what would you think of we, if we started to try and go to the process of her going to school? And he said, yeah, yeah. And I says, well, they've asked me for a birth certificate. And he says, oh. He says, well, she doesn't have one. I said, right. He says, well, we never registered her. And I thought, oh. So then the whole battle came to get a birth certificate to make up an age so that we think she's five or six. She says, we think now she was born in February 2015 is the date we made up. And we got her birth certificate. And he first said 2012, and I thought, no, she's not nine. She's only tiny. She's only tiny. So we compromised in 2015. But she, um, yeah, so now she lives in Mandrit Sarah. Um, so through support of people here in Northern Ireland, we're able to rent them a little house. Um, we provide their food, and we pay her school fees. So she now goes to school. This is her, looking all proud as punch. Um, so she went to a different school last year because she was, oh, here. Good job of something underneath that, eh? <laughs> she, she, <laughs> she, um, she went to a different school last year. She went to a school which is very close to the little house of Mandra Sarah. But I really, really wanted to get her a place in the Good News School, um, which is part of our project, Christian School. So a bit of fighting to get her in. Uh, and I managed to get her a place, and she starts there on Monday next week. So if we could pray for her. She's starting the Good News School on Monday. She will be, she's got her uniform, she's got her, she's got her new school bag, and she's all set to go. I've been in touch with them this week to make sure she's, she's, she's ready to start school. Um, yeah, so, yeah, if I could just ask you to pray for Jeanette, for her dad, for salvation and their house. 
she, they have started to go to the Baptist church in Mandrit, Sarah, a different church than to what I go to. It's the church beside their house. But they seem to have really made good connections. The church seemed to have come round them and have really supported them in different areas. And just, it's been really lovely to see how the local community have, have been looking out for Jeanette. Sometimes I get phone calls to give me updates, even when I'm here, about her little story. But yeah, just really pray for her and her dad, for stability in the home, but most of all, for the salvation, uh, for their salvation. Um, yeah, so, okay. So, yeah, <laughs> that's really all I wanted to share this evening. Um, it's so hard to know how to summarize the last two years of my life. All the things that I've seen, all the, the encounters that I've had, all the different aspects of the ministry that I'm involved with there. But I feel like um, Cristela and Jeanette are two, two patients that I've really seen the goodness of God in, in their recovery. And I feel like it's good to share the happy stories. I have so many sad stories, but it's really good to share the happy stories of, of what God's doing there. Yeah, for yourselves, how can you be involved in Mandrit Sarah? You can pray for us. It's not just me. This is my prayer card, but we're a team. We're a big team. And if you can just pray for us, that for COVID at the moment is really difficult. We're really struggling with staff at the moment, for, especially with doctors. Uh, if you can just pray that people will be called to come and work with us in all the different parts of our team, at the radio station, in the school, in the hospital, the people will, Malagasy's and missionaries will feel a call to come and serve in Sarah. Yeah, and as well for yourselves, you never know, someday you might end up in somewhere like Sarah. I never thought it would be me. I never thought that my life would look like this. But God had other plans, and it's just about surrendering to him. And it's not that I have a, an ability, an extra ability, is that God has enabled me to go and to serve him there. So just as I end, I'm just going to read those verses again. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all the generations, praise the Lord. Thank you very much. Thank you.